0: Hey there, my name is Chris Rivers and I'm here with Brad Walbridge. We want to thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time with us, welcome to the Men at Grace podcast. Our goal in this episode is to help motivate and encourage men to take responsibility for the people and the situations that God brings into their lives. Be sure to check out our Men at Grace podcast page at gracechurchsc.org forward slash grace. On this page, you can access a summary and group leader questions to discuss with other men. So Brad, why don't you introduce our guests and focus on today's episode?
1: Yeah, Chris, I'm excited about our guest today. Blake Payne's with us. Blake's a part of our church. His family's a part of our church. Um, And we're wrestling with this question, how men should view the local church and why is that important? And we're going to dig into that. Blake, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Um, And then I want you to tell that story you were sharing with us before we started recording. Uh, because I think it really, it sets up the conversation really well. So go ahead and yeah. introduce yourself and take us through that. And it's really fun to be on a podcast.
2: <laughs> I've listened to a bunch of podcasts. I've never been in the seat of a podcast.
0: Well, we're glad you're here, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, My name is Blake Payne. I work on our staff here. I'm at our downtown campus. And I lead worship primarily and then do some um, tangential things. Like teaching and working with some of our student ministry stuff. And it's a it's a bunch of fun. I've been here for eight years. Which is should make some of you who know me feel old. That's fine.
1: You look way too young to have been here eight years. I've been
2: here for eight of them things. Feel like you just graduated. Yeah, needn't have gray hair. <laughs> That's right. And I've been downtown for five years. Okay. Um, it's been a great year. Been a, been a great season. So you asked me about a story. No, you gotta tell about beautiful
1: family. Oh. You got a, you're a proud, proud husband, proud dad. Come on
2: now. I am. There's a country song. It's called <laughs> Then. Okay. You know this song? I don't. I you don't. Can you to, sing it? No, I can't sing it. Yeah, Blake
1: Blake doesn't sing. Oh um,
2: doesn't sing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I have a beautiful family. Uh, my wife's name is Sarah. Uh, we've been married for almost six years. And um, she's almost 30. Practically done with life. Moving up. <laughs> She hates we when. can
1: edit that out if you need us to. <clears throat> she hates when I say that.
2: She can't <laughs> listen to this podcast. It's men. And then I have two beautiful girls. Um, Ella Grace is four and Millie Kate is um, two. Great names. Gosh, those are great names. Yeah, they are beautiful. And I feel like I can say that objectively. Yes, absolutely. So I'm grateful. Live with a bunch of beautiful women and no men. I never had a brother growing up or dad. So I've never actually lived with a man. So maybe God will change that one day. (laughs) Or maybe my fate was to just live with women.
0: Yeah. Well, you know how to have kids. So just keep trying. Just keep trying. You'll get one eventually. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Sure. So that's my beautiful family. I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, teach us about the local church, man. Why should men care about it?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I, You know, I was thinking about the church, just knowing we were going to be recording this. And this past weekend, we're recording this in... Um, what's it, March? Is it March? March 30th, today. March 2022. Scotty Scheffler um, just won a big tournament this past weekend, golf tournament. And um, he's won like three of his last five big events. And so he just got ranked the number one golfer in the world, Um, which is pretty cool to be the number one, if anything, in the world. I don't know what that would be like. And he didn't either because in an interview they asked him, what does it feel like to be the number one golfer in the world? And he said – He said, I don't know. I didn't get this far in my dreams. Mm. And I just thought that was fascinating and insightful. And it had legitimate resonance with me. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Because a lot of times in those interview spaces, people are like, yeah, you know, I've been dreaming about this since I was a kid. And it just seems as if it was fate and it was always going to happen. And I always leave those moments and I'm like, yeah, everybody dreams about that as a kid, whatever. Mm. But what he's saying in that moment is he's saying, I don't know what this feels like because I never actually imagined that I would be here. Mm-hmm. And I had dreams. They just didn't go this far. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have planned it out. And when I hear that, like that actually makes sense of my life. Mm. Not because it's amazing. It is amazing. But not because I've done anything. Not because I've done anything, but just what God has done around me. So when I think about my wife, my beautiful family, when I think about my job, my, my friends, my community – the places that I get a chance to serve and lead. um, That is more than I would have ever. I didn't get this far in my dreams. yeah. And if I had to think about one reason, I mean, God, obviously, but one reason that I'm here in the place that I'm in is because of local church. And I can trace back every good thing <laughs> that I have right now to um, a healthy local church. And I mean, that's God's work through the church, but without the church, Um, I don't, I'm not living the life that I'm living, you know, I don't get this far. And so I just, I thought that was an insightful comment that makes a bunch of sense. Yeah.
1: So when you think about for, for the men that are listening, I mean, for even us just sitting here at the, at, Mm. at the table with you, why should the local church matter? We could look to scripture. We could, we could see how God views it. But I mean, practically day to
2: day, why should it matter? Yeah, Yeah, it's a good question because um, for a lot of us it doesn't. And so um, how we think about the church is probably part of the reason why it doesn't matter to us. We probably have a low view of the church, some of the language we like to use around here. I think the reason that it should matter is because um, God's design for your spiritual growth is the local church. The local church is the solution that God has created for your soul. Yeah. And so um that's why we I think we should pay attention to it.
1: Yeah, unpack that a little bit. Like what God set it up that way, but what does that look like on a day-to-day basis?
2: Yeah, so if you think back to the beginning of humanity, Adam and Eve, he makes Adam a man and says what? It's not good for him to be alone. 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 All right. So that's the that's the genesis of the world. Literally, it's not good for him to be alone. And then if you work through the Old Testament, Israel is a nation. God's working on he's working on individuals in the context of a nation, of a group. And then we'll talk about this a little bit later, maybe. But when you talk about when you look at the New Testament, when God leaves, when Jesus leaves and he looks at his disciples and says that crazy blasphemous thought to them that is going to be better for you if I go. Which they were like, what are you talking about, Jesus? It's not going to be better for you if I go. Yeah, He says it's going to be better, and then he leaves them his spirit and the church, which, again, is a group, a community of people. And so I think God has always, um, always been better for us to not be alone. Mm-hmm. And um, the current formula for our community that God has set up for us is the church. And so I was talking to a guy the other week, And he comes from church background, uh, ministry background. His dad was a pastor, and um, he had grown up in church. And I asked him, I just said, what, like, how has church changed? You were actually talking about this topic. And he just said, when he got to this church, he worked for a guy who was a legitimate Christ-following man. And he said, I had never seen a man follow God like that. And I resonate with that. That happened for me too. When I when I, I remember the first godly man that I remember like watching, you know, and I was like, I've never seen that before because I didn't grow up with it. And um, it, he went on to tell me that apprenticing under this godly man completely changed both his definition of the church, definition of family, but his whole de- his whole definition of the world, what it meant to be a godly man, you know, got changed because he was he was with this other godly man. And so I just was sitting there thinking, if the church doesn't exist, where else does he find that godly man? Right. Okay, right. maybe his dad, but a lot of us don't have godly fathers. Even if you do have a godly father, it's gonna you're going to need more than that, mm-hmm. right? And so where else does he have an opportunity to, and we're just talking about thinking about being a man, where else does he have an opportunity to learn from other godly men? The church. And so I think what's interesting is when you reject the church, you're like, what does that mean? Reject the church when you are not, when the church is not a part of your life, like a real part of your life, not just a box that you go to sometimes and check off. But when you when the church is not a real part of your life, you are rejecting God's design for your spiritual growth. Mm. So I think you just got to know that, you know, and know that I'm 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 choosing a different way to grow spiritually, and I, this is not what God <laughs> planned. Yeah. Yeah, and so when you think about Galatians, it talks about sharing each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. And so I think a Christian that tries to exist outside of the church is a bad formula for their faith. So if your faith matters to you, then the church should matter to you because it's God's plan for, for it to grow and, and to flourish and really for you to become the man that God wants you to be. Now, that's a little bit more abstract. If I was going to talk more practically, um, I probably would linger a little bit more on Brian's story. Because it's like I met a man, you know, and then that helped me become a man. Where else can that happen?
0: I mean, I think that's really good. I wanted you to double tap more on the mission. So maybe if you could focus more on the mission of the church and why it's important for men to be part of that mission maybe that can give us some more clarity into why it's important to be part of a local church.
1: Mm. Specifically, I think it's helpful, the language of being emptied mm-hmm. out, like Christ on the cross emptied out for us. We are picking up our cross. We are emptying ourselves out to find the greatest joy in in pouring our lives out for others.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. When Jesus comes, he says the kingdom of God is here right now. Now, we we learn later that it's not fully here. There's a part of it that it's coming when he comes back again. But part of the kingdom of God is here. And so as a new covenant Christian, you get a chance to live with God right now. The veil has been torn. The wall's down. We can worship him. We can go directly to the throne. Hebrews says that, boldly approaching it. And so what the church is really is this a group of people who have said, we want to value life with God, and so we want to do it together. And if you think about the first century church, they had to do that because, I mean, they would have gotten killed by themselves. Yeah, the threat to them. The threat to them, like physically, their lives. And so I just imagine for them how powerful it would have been to be with another group of people that were willing to go down with the ship too, you know. And that's probably why that when you read in Acts, this first century church feels so cool is because they're all they have. Like if they don't have each other, then they have nothing. They have God, but they have God, but they need each other. And it's interesting that we don't feel that way about the church. You know, we, we really honestly, some of us do, but some of us don't. And I think there's part of my story, even thinking back to that quote earlier, that I do feel that way, that if I did, if I don't have the church, I'm going to be lacking for sure. I've
0: only been at Grace for about five years. Mm-hmm. And for many years, I've heard the idea of passivity, that passivity is the core sin of man, which I agree it is. Um, but I think as I've been here longer and longer, I've began to realize, and even the way our culture is outside of COVID, outside of the other things that... That self-reliance seems to be a core sin of man. You know, yes. so there's this passivity, there's this self-reliance. We talk about that in authentic manhood, but do you feel that because we are a people that can Google whatever we need, uh, find whatever we need instantly, mm-hmm. that there is no need for us to have that kind of dependence? On God and others. I really more on the others piece because when I think about the church, I think about if I'm struggling with something, if I need something, if there's a need, mm-hmm. right? Then it, my first thought is I'm going to go to God and ask Him to help me, but then I'm going to try to find who in my community can help me. Mm-hmm. And we don't, I don't, sometimes I have to check myself to ask that question, but mm-hmm. um, unpack some of that. I don't know what question I'm trying to ask, but does that resonate at all or is that?
2: Yeah, I mean, Totally. I think, so here at Grace, we have a community group structure. Brad, you know. You oversee some. And community groups are best when it's crisis.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, when I hear crisis, I think, you know, 10th level. Yeah. But I I just think the disruption in people's lives. Disruption, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, like, there's a woman at your campus who had a heart surgery, Mm -hmm. and her community groups are rallied around her. Right. And so now, for her, she had she had real she didn't know where her rent was coming from. Right. Not many of us have that concern, mm-hmm. but for her, that created a void for her to have a sense of dependence. And so her community group rallied around her. And so now, if she, that her apologetic for the local church is the fact that when I had a need, the church held me up. You're like, well, did God hold you up or did the church hold you up? Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know God cares me, and I know God sees me because these people see me. And so I think it's a good question, Chris, because like for me personally, currently right now there's not a bunch of need in my life. I don't have a bunch of need. I eat. I have food. I'm not worried about rent. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have health issues. I mean, I'm sure all that's going to change eventually. I'm going to die, so I'm going to have a health issue eventually. But currently, I don't have a bunch of need, and then for a lot of our people, I just as I have conversations, we have the resources to eliminate some needs. And so we never have the void in our lives that God can use the church to fill. Now, sometimes sin creates a void in our life, and um, through the church, it gets filled with His grace and His mercy, Mm -hmm. you know? but i think i think one of the problems to your point is we are self-reliant and we have enough resources to where we can kind of play god in our own lives and i think that it is um it really is creating or is taking what the church could be off the table for some of us which i think is why when you think about philippians 2 when you think about voids okay so jesus and Philipp- or paul in philippians 2 says that um jesus did not consider um, equality, with, equality God. with God as something to, to be considered, considered. But he humbled himself and yep. became obedient to
0: death, even death on a cross.
2: Yep. So he created a void. Mm. He poured himself out to the point where he was empty, to the point of death, to the point of death on the cross. And so I think that the void language and the need idea is something that for some of us, it's just going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna have needs. We're gonna have voids that we that we have, and I think in that moment the church can be powerful. But then I think for other ones of us, like part of the work that we need to be doing is finding stru- strategic, structural, regular ways to pour ourselves out and create a void. Hmm. Um, so, be- can
0: you give us an example, maybe, of what that would look like?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. So, a person at your campus, Powdersville, yeah. Young couple, a, a fostering two young kids right now, beautiful young kids. And I remember when they first got the kids, um, everybody around them in their community were like, they need some help. They have two kids. They, don't, they weren't planning for They got both of them in a day. I was over at her house the next weekend. We were doing dinner together with them. And um, they told me for the last two weeks, people had dropped off bags of clothes at their house. So what's happening in that moment where a, a need for her is creating an opportunity for the church to be the church, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so um, so she um, obviously took the clothes and clothed the kids, and the church was really powerful to her in that moment. So then, like, just the practical needs were met. And then, um, but spiritually and emotionally, like, they are tired. They've been doing this for, like, nine months now. And it's hard, hard work fostering a kid and getting a kid later in the Game and working with a parent that's difficult to work with, and it's just created a bunch of disruption in their life. And they've seen um, they've seen sin in their hearts. They've been exposed, and um, at the same time, you are like, "Man, that sounds terrible." At the same time, they're more connected to the local church than they've ever been, and they feel a relationship with God that's stronger than it's ever been. And I think what what you see in that story is they went and did something difficult they poured themselves out like jesus does in philippians 2 mm-hmm. when they pour themselves out the void is created they're left with nothing and when they're left with nothing then the church and god begin to fill them with what they need mm. to be god's representatives in the world i think what's interesting about that story is that with no if they don't pour themselves out they don't have any void they're not empty and if they're never empty then um they never have a chance to be filled with the church Mm -hmm. and with god and the spirit so i think for some of us a good question for us is um are we full on our own agenda Mm -hmm. and if so the church probably isn't that cool for you you're probably not that compelled by the church if you're full on your own agenda Mm -hmm. but if god's agenda causes you to empty yours Mm, that's good then you probably like the church because I can guarantee you, if you're a part of a healthy church, if God's agenda has caused you to empty yourself, I bet you that they have come around you and filled you in ways that shows you why God did this whole thing. You know, And so it's just unique and probably not fortunate for us that we live in a time where we have enough resources to have no need and that we have enough opportunity around us to be filled with our own agendas um, for our whole lives. It seems like it should
1: be concerning to any of us if we don't find the church compelling. Like that should tell us something, would it you should. say? Mm-hmm. Like Because we could say, "Oh, well, th- I feel filled in these other ways, so that's why the church is not compelling. No, the church is compelling. It is. You are desensitized and distracted, and that's why you're not seeing the church as compelling
2: for sure and the church has been changing lives for thousands of years right. the job the mission you're a part of it's only been around at most for i don't know 100 years 30 years like when did your company start i don't know 20 years ago it's not going to make it as long as the church is going to make it you know if the church is so powerful that the gates of hell won't prevail like if you think, if you're not compelled by the church, it's not because you go to, it's not necessarily the church's fault. The right. church is powerful. But I will say, let me speak to something. I think it's, as I've spoke on this topic before, one thing that I think has come up a bunch. I think one thing that some men struggle with when it comes to the church not being compelling is because they have a hard, I'm going to use the word hard history with the church. And potentially they were abused at, through the church emotionally, physically, sexually, or I mean that's worst case scenario, um, other other bad scenarios that aren't quite that bad but still have an effect. Is just when you were part of a church that was dysfunctional mm-hmm. or if you personally just had a terrible experience with the church.
1: Yeah. You kept ca- carrying wounds. Yeah,
2: you're carrying wounds and I think you got we got to be real careful with that. I think it's easy to um have our preferences unmatched Mm-hmm. and think we had a bad experience. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you were legitimately wronged. Yeah. Somebody was sinning against you. Um, and because of that, that's your association with the church. And so I think um, two things. One, so I think half of us are, are not compelled with the church because we're compared with our own lives. I think the other part of us, there probably is hope for us but we find ourselves in this place where we don't trust the local church. Mm-hmm. We find it hard to um, go to a pastor. I'm using a bunch of church words because I think that's helpful. We, we find it hard to go to a pastor and confess sin or to talk about a need that we have because um, we've done that in the past and it's not going well. Mm-hmm. So I had a guy one time, he came to me and um, he was working on, he was just working through some things with me, and um, he, I, I promised something to him. I probably I shouldn't have promised. It was my mistake, and I said, let me, let me get a conversation with you with this certain man at our church, and little did I know that that man at our church just didn't have the availability for the next when I promised it, you know, mm-hmm. and so then I had to go back to him, and I said, hey, hey Axe, I'm sorry. He's not available. This, this is probably not a good look, but I'm going to tell a story like this. He's not available, and, um, and that guy felt rejected, and it reminded him of past experiences where he had reached out for help, and it went poorly. Mm-hmm. So, if you've done that before, it's probably hard to reach out for help, and it go poorly, you know. And so, I think um, that's probably a category of us listening is that we have had ba- we've had bad, past hurt, past hard experiences with the church. And so we're skeptical of it, and we, we struggle to find a reason or a confidence to go move toward the church. Yeah. And so you feel if stuck is probably a word that would resonate because that's just how you feel. Yeah. You're here, but you're
1: not. Right. I do. I think it's so important for us to pause just for a moment for you to speak to the guy that's listening who has been wounded and feels like there's no movement that he can take mm-hmm. to to find healing and to be able to take some steps, not that it needs to be exhaustive, but what would you say to that guy? What can we say to that guy Um, to to have him have some movement in that towards healing?
2: Yeah. I would say if you take a step, you might get hurt. That's true. But, if you take a step, you might also get healed, yeah, and so, for the same guy I was talking about um he did he he took a step toward the church, he got a part of he he joined one of the ministries that we have here called regen, and um we encouraged him to go see a certain counselor, and he did even after I had hurt him, he still was willing to move toward the church. Mm. And that was about nine months ago, and he is healthier than he's been in thirty years. Mm. And so That's That's here's powerful. here's the thing: I can't promise you that moving toward the church is going to make you healthier, but I can promise you that not moving toward the church is going to keep you unhealthy.
0: Yeah,
2: you know. Yeah. And so I think I get it. I get it. If you go to a restaurant and you get food poisoning, it's hard to go back to that restaurant. Yeah, for sure you know, but at the same time, um, you just got to trust. It's a, it's a trust issue with God. And so you have to trust that God is bigger than the harm that's been done to you. And you just got to move toward the church and
1: that he's, and that he's bigger than those individuals.
2: Yeah. That
1: caused that hurt. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. And God, God agrees with you that the world is broken, that the church is broken. That's why Jesus died. I mean, he agrees with us. Because Jesus had to die in order for um, this to turn around, <laughs> yeah. and so um, Jesus saw your situation and He died so that one day all things could be made right. That's how much He sees you and knows what's going on. And then God says, then "Jesus leaves the church as a, as your solution for your spiritual growth." And so you just gotta you gotta connect the dots that the same Jesus who was willing to die for you is the same Jesus that left the local church to be the solution for you. Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes a trust issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd really love to hear more about biblical teaching. We think about that second Timothy three, 14 through 17 that, um, Paul's talking to Timothy and he's reminding him that the scriptures have given him wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to talk about what Scripture does for us. And and so maybe could you just explain that a little bit more in terms of the local church and how that helps us as men?
2: Yeah, so let me say a couple of things quickly, and then I'll land on the thing that I think is most helpful for me. One, Scriptures help you know God. So knowing God is a big deal because mm-hmm. if you don't know Him, then... Um, you're missing out on what Jesus died to accomplish. Mm-hmm. The scriptures help um, you connect with the church that's been the church for a long time. It, it it pulls you up into a bigger story and reminds you that life's not about yourself. Mm-hmm. People have been doing, people have been sinning for a long time. People have been succeeding for a long time. Solomon had a bunch of wives. That wasn't good. But he built beautiful temples. That was good. Like the things that we are, we're not new. The Tower of Babel happened a long time ago. We've been trying to be God for a long time. Like it just it does a bunch of things for you that are under the umbrella of it sucks you up into a bigger story, which creates a sense of humility, and then it introduces you to Jesus and reminds you of who He is. But the thing that I think for us in this day and age, the word that I think about is, is part of our our st- stance and statement here at Grace Church is that the Bible it defines and it directs you, and so I think. Currently, we live in the most media-driven, media-inundated culture that um, has ever existed. And I think, I don't think, this is a fact, that we are being shaped by that far more than we understand. So let me give you a a story. When I was in high school, um, I loved listening to country music. Loved it. Really? Really.
1: I don't know why I don't see that.
2: Most people don't. It's because I'm black, Brad. I loved it. Oh, okay. All right. There was this song that was called Good Directions by Billy Carrington. And it was this story about um, how he met this girl. She pulled up asking for directions. And um, he sent her to his mom's store that was right down the road, knowing that his mom would send her right back here to me. (laughs) I do remember that song. Um, Mm. Thank God for good directions and turnip greens. (laughs) And when I was in high school, that song defined and directed how I wanted to meet a girl Mm. and how I thought romance worked. That it was just this instant meet her, we're together magic sparks. Mm. Mm. And y'all know if you listen to country music, it's all about that, man. Mm -hmm. Sitting on the back of the tailgate, with my red cup in our hand, you know, it's all about that. And when I was in high school, country music was close enough to Christianity, ironically, had enough Sunday sermons in there (laughs) to um, fool me that it was good, it was okay. But like that song directed how I thought about dating and relationships and romance. Mm -hmm. And so what the scriptures are designed to do is – they're designed to help shape and form how you think about the world, and they're designed to help um, give you godly wisdom. So um, when I that what that song was doing was it was defining how I thought about romance, and then it was directing how I was acting and behaving because I wanted my life to match that song. So I was coming up under it, and it was it was acting as the guide of my romantic life. Mm -hmm. And so what the scriptures do for us is they give us a chance to come up under them and they can act as the guide for our lives and they can change how we think, Mm -hmm. which you're like, what, who really cares if it changed? how I think Well, Mm -hmm. Romans teaches us that we should, um, that we can transform that. The way God transforms us is he changes the way that we think. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. We have a thinking problem.
2: We have a thinking problem. And the reason we have a thinking problem is because we rely on our thoughts. We're easily deceived. We're easily deceived because our heart is deceiving and we rely on our thoughts. And so when you come to the scriptures, if you really actually read them, which let's just take a note and be honest, a lot of us are listening. We hadn't read the Bible in weeks, months, years. So that's part of what's going on in this culture. It's why we have, it's why we're, it's why we're easily deceived, deceived and easily caught up in other narratives. It's why we care a lot about what's on the news. So um, if you actually read the scriptures and then put yourself up under their authority, then you will change the way you think Mm -hmm. and you will then become more of the man that God wants you to be Mm -hmm. because you'll think like he thinks, Mm -hmm. which is a cool idea.
0: Which gets back to that original story that you talked about, how God has changed the way you've thought about church.
2: Yeah. And so like when I think about that thought, like, so I grew up playing basketball. And when I was in high school, Steph Curry um was at Davidson. I was in Gastonia, which is a suburb of Charlotte. Charlotte. Davidson is in Charlotte. Steph Curry took the world over by storm in the NCAA tournament and then went on to change the whole game of basketball. If you disagree with that thought, then we can have a conversation offline. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> but that's a fact. He's changed the whole game of basketball. And I would love to just go ask him, hey can you look at my shot and tell me what it what I need to do to make my shot more like your shot mm-hmm. and in his whatever he would say I would imagine would make my shot way better mm-hmm. why because I would be shooting like him now. So I use that as an illustration because that's what the scriptures can do is you can go to them and say this is how I think about this thing this is how I think about love romance money, Money's a big one. The scriptures talk a lot about money. Authority. Authority. This is how I think about authority. This is how I think about love and identity. This is how I think about work. And then what God can do is he can say, no, this is how you should think about work. This Mm -hmm. is how I think about work. And then your view of work will look like his view of work. And that's going to be a better view of work.
0: Defined and directed.
2: So that's when it starts to define you and then give you new directives in life. It changes how you do what you do. It changes how you run your business. It changes how you think about your business. And then it, thinks, it changes how you think about your importance in your business.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to that. I mean you think about Second Timothy three sixteen, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And here's what you're saying, verse seventeen, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work.
1: Right. Because if we are there's such a consumeristic mentality that we're drawn into, to your point about you know, where we are with with media and all we're consumed into all of that, and then we just continue to consume. That's right. When God is calling us to actually, as his creation, contribute to the church, pour ourselves out, and to find real joy,
2: real joy Mm -hmm. in doing that. That's right. Yeah. This is a Jim Taylor thought, but, you know, 35 years ago, I don't know, 50 years ago, some time ago, when you wanted to know the answer to something, you would go to the encyclopedia because the expert on the topic— Put the answer in the encyclopedia. Mm. And what was interesting is you would have this sense in which I, I have a thought, but I don't know if it's true. So let me go check with what's true. What's happened is with Google, you don't need to go to the expert because you can just Google a couple of different sources and then make your own opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: Or go to YouTube and see it.
2: Go to YouTube and see it. So then what happened is it created this sense that I know more than I know. And I think we have a reliance on facts and ideas that may be true, may not be true. Yeah. But it took away this desire to go to the truth, the source of truth Mm -hmm. and to find out what the source of truth says about the subject. And so I think that's how a lot of us treat the Bible is we don't have that sense of what is true. Mm -hmm. That we don't have this longing to know what God says about work, sex, money, and so we just make our own opinions, and we're content on our own on our own opinions mm-hmm. and I think we need to be less content with our own opinions,
0: yeah, that's good. Well, help us land the plane here. If you were to give us some direction as men, a next step mm. the next thirty days, if there were some any any ideas that you would want us to think through and accomplish to help us think about the value of the local church, what would you
2: challenge us to do? Yeah, good question. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, I would say, find a need in your local church, if you don't go to our church, whatever church you go to, find a need in your local church and go be a solution. When God made man, first man, he gave him dominion over the world and said, hey, go be fruitful, multiply, govern the earth, subdue the earth and govern it. Meaning, go have sex and make babies and go be in charge. Yes. I mean that was God's original intent for man is to go be in charge. Mm. And so I think a lot of us are good at being in charge of a lot of things, but that needs to be a that needs to be true for our church experience too. Mm. We need to go, find a need and be the solution. God has created that when he created us. We were meant to be solution. We were meant to be solutions. Mm-hmm. And so I would say go find a need in your local church and meet it. And so what that could mean is you're like, "Well, I don't know even where to start." Well, just call your pastor. Call your campus pastor, call your community group leader, call somebody you respect in the church as a man over you and say, hey, I want to help. Can you help either tell me what to do or point me in the right direction? And maybe you go through five or six email chains with different people. Hang in there and find a need and go be a solution. It's good. And I think you will feel more like a man when you do that than just coming to church on Sunday. You know why? Because God created you to do that. Mm. So if you're not doing that as a part of your experience, then you probably aren't experiencing church in the way that God has created you to experience church. And so find a need, go be the solution. If you're already being a solution, then um, I would just say keep on. You don't need to go find a new solution. Just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then be open for what God has for you in that. Jesus says where your money is, your heart is also which is interesting diagnostic because what he's saying is where you're spending your money is what you care about. I think another one that I think is true. I'm not trying to make a Jesus truth here, but I think it's close and helpful. I think where your time is is where your heart is also. Mm -hmm. And so a question is how much time are you giving to the church?
1: And how much of your resources?
2: And how much of your resources are you giving to the church? And I think you can't hide behind either one of them. So you need to ask the right question for your soul. Because I know for some people, they don't give any time, but they give a lot of money. But you have a lot of money. So it's not actually a tell of you loving the local church. You just have a bunch of money. And I think it's, it is a sign that you care about the church, that you're giving to it. But the question you might need to ask is, why am I not giving any of my time to the church? Mm-hmm. Not spending time at the church, but giving time to the church. Consumer versus contributor. Not spending, but giving. So what do you do when you spend? You're a consumer when you spend. When you give things away, that's contribution. So, and then for some of you, you're giving a bunch of time. You might not be giving any of your money. The question might be for you, what does it look like for me to give my money away to the church? You know. But I think regardless, what I'm saying is, are you giving yourself away to the church in any way? It's good. Not am I at church, am I in this study, am I giving my time, my money, and my giftings away mm-hmm. to the church. And I will say, let me speak to this real quickly. I think for some of you, you don't know how God's made you and gifted you, and so you need to go learn that. And serving is going to be a way that you learn that. Yeah. So for a guy I have downtown, he um, runs our AV team. He's an engineer, super responsible, super organized, super technical. And he came in my team about three years ago, and without without much time, quickly became one of the best volunteers I've ever seen anywhere. And it's because he was doing something that God made him to do. It was amazing to watch and I sat, I remember sitting down at lunch one day and he was uh, ask, actually asking me a question because he he was he was concerned that he wasn't qualified to do the role, which I just started laughing at because I was like, "You're the best volunteer I've ever seen, you know?" And I told him, hey, listen, you are highly responsible. I just told him exactly what I just said to y'all. I was like, you're highly responsible, you're good at details, and you're crazy organized. And it it makes you the best director I've ever seen. And he was shocked. He didn't know anything. He didn't know any of that. Or I'll tell you this. He might have known that about himself, and he might have known that that's why he was good at his job. But he had never connected the dots that what makes him good at his job might – also make him powerful in his church.
0: Mm, that's good.
2: So I think some of us just need to learn ourselves and see what God's given us mm-hmm. and um, go be a solution, mm-hmm. you know, and go make something better. And even if the need doesn't match how God's made you, that doesn't, I mean, that's fine. It doesn't always have to match how God's made you. Yeah. I just think some of us need to know how God's made us so we can go be powerful.
0: But I think God helps us know how he's made us when we go be a solution. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's how I found out who I was. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything else we would want to share as we wrap up?
1: Blake, what would you say to any of our guys that are listening that think, yeah, I'm all in. Young Life, FCA, you know, um, First Priority. I'm involved with all of those things. What would you say distinction-wise? Not that those are bad things, but what would you say distinction between that and local
2: church? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say the first thing I would think is I'm – sympathetic and i'm glad you're a part of those things is god using young life to change lives for sure my wife and i had an opportunity over the past year to serve at young lives which is teen moms and i got to lead worship for their um teen mom weekend it was amazing i was blown away at what god was doing there and so are they the hands and feet of god fully and i I think it's awesome and I, I think it's cool that as a church, I don't know what church you're listening from, but I know as a church, Grace Church, we have plenty of members that support um, ministries like that fully, even sometimes. And I think that's amazing. I'm glad we do that. I think there is a good question, though. What is the distinction between this and the church? And I think when you read the scriptures, it seems like what one of the key components of the local church that God made to be true is, is that the local church is to serve as the authority of our life. And so it's not just a place that we go, but it's a place where we are under authority. Because when we say I'm a Christian, we are then saying, uh, like we want to talk about, especially if you're a millennial, you love the idea of um, having an identity in Christ. What an identity in Christ also means is that your life is not yours. You are now a Christian, which means your life is meant and is supposed to glorify God. That's a fact. Jesus was clear on that. And he also said, if you don't want that to be true of you, then you don't really you're not really a Christian. You know, if you don't obey me, then you don't really love me. And so I think what that means is if our life is not our own, we're gonna have to be under authority to get redirected and to get um to have a course correction if you will when our life gets out of line and not just when our life gets out of line but we need to be under authority to know where our life even needs to go what what is even the line what is even the path forward you know and godly authority god has set up the church to function as godly authority and that's changed my life i believe in it i could talk about this for an hour so i think what the um the difference is that is that the church is supposed to function as your authority, meaning there should be people and leaders at the church that um, you go to when you need help, and that you listen to what they say and you take it into advice, you take it in um, take it in as advice, and then sometimes you just do what they say because they're your authority, you know. And then we need pastors and leaders, volunteer leaders, staff leaders. To help us know what does it mean for us to be godly. And then we just need to go obey. We need to go do that. If you were to say, what's your biggest fear for the next wave of the church? This would be my first fear. My first fear would be consumerism. Mm -hmm. That we don't move toward the church or God because we are only consumed with ourselves. So we're not consumed with God because we're consumed with ourselves. My second fear would probably be that we are our own authority. And so the church is not acting and not functioning as the authority of our life. Mm -hmm. And um, we see this at our campus. We have a lot of people getting married. And they come to us and they say, and you got to listen closely to how they say it to hear what they're saying. But they'll say, hey, we are getting married and we want you to marry us. We're like, okay. Are we a product that you're buying? (laughs) You know, like, really, that's a bad way to start the conversation. Mm. The conversation should start and say, hey, we want to get married and would love your blessing. We want, we want to come under your leadership, and we want you to tell us what we're not thinking about, what we're not seeing, and we really want you to bless our marriage. Mm. And so you just got to think, are you the person that would go to the church and say, I'm getting married, I want you to marry us? Or are you the person that would go to them and say, hey, we want to get married, but we want your blessing? And then that'll probably tell you your orientation toward authority. Right. And posture of your heart. The posture of your heart. Yeah. And so I think when the church loses the ability to be an authority, then um, it'll be catastrophic to the church, and it'll be catastrophic to our individual faith. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Blake, thank you so much for being with us today. Really really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Anything else you'd want to add? no man i mean thank y'all you know i think it's fun to have a space where we as men at this church or wherever you're listening from yeah um can rally together you know and um connect around the same idea yes it really is what the church is we're coming together we're uniting around the same idea so that we can follow god so if this podcast can do that then that's amazing
0: Yeah. Well, we appreciate you sharing. It's been some good thoughts for us to think about and to take action on. So thanks for joining us again. Well, as we wrap up today's conversation, we want to thank you for joining us. If you know a man that would benefit from hearing this episode, consider sharing it with him. Having intentional conversations around these principles is a great way to start a discipleship conversation and move towards Christ. If you'd like to continue digging into this topic, we have some resources that will help you take some next steps. So check out our Minute Grace podcast page at gracechurchsc.org forward slash Minute Grace. On this page, you can access a summary and group leader questions to discuss with other men. Well, thanks again for joining us and we look forward to joining you on the next episode.